0: From gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer
1: space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop from outer
2: space. And we're good to go. We're good to go. All right, crack open a cold one and welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. As always, it's Teabag bag in the house.
3: Well, hi, I'm friends. Thanks for listening.
2: And say hello to Ryan Scott. Shalom, everybody. And shalom alaikum. <laughs> and uh, let's get this pod mitzvah started, shall we? And if you're counting, it's uh, episode 98, so we're getting pretty close to that 100th episode, boys. Uh, tonight, we will be talking to you about none other than the Dybbuk box.
0: Yes. Now, first off, guys... We must say, from everybody here, podcasts from outer space. Pod mitzvah. On this pod mitzvah tonight. Happy (laughs) All Hallows Eve, everybody out there. Uh, Because once again, the Halloween special has returned. (sighs) And we are hitting this one out of the park. As Rob said, getting into the Dybbuk box tonight. Now, first up. I got to say guys, to all our listeners out there, we dropped the ball this Halloween. Um now this is a, your boy. No, I'm saying this is a good episode, but we did have some stories planned which I may still drop uh if you guys want it, you know. We'll see how this one does. If they want it, if the people want it, we're dropping some stories. This is an unreleased. We're dropping some like secret unreleased uh episode for you guys but had some technical difficulties we're back on track and like rob said tonight we're talking about the dibbok and for those that don't know the dybbuk box uh is a wine cabinet this is a, this is like a cursed object i guess episode uh, which i don't mm. know if we've ever done one of these before maybe like we got into this on our mummies pyramid episode we talked about cursed objects
3: look at the dead maybe
0: um. Yeah. You know. But that's not like one object. No. 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 Wait. But yes, curses. Uh, I. I get where you're going with that. Um. But yes, the Dybbuk box is a wine cabinet claimed to be haunted by a Dybbuk. Now, a dibek is in fact a real, um, I guess, thing originating <laughs> in uh, Jewish mythology. Uh, this is a spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. And this particular box gained notoriety when it was auctioned off on eBay by owner Kevin Manis, eventually changing owners many times and seemingly leaving a trail of tragedy and terror in its wake. Uh, so almost as we're, as we're getting on Cursed Diamonds, I'm thinking Hope Diamond. You guys familiar with the curse around that? Mm. It's kind of it's like that. Maybe we do an episode on that in the
2: future. Is that the Titanic
0: one? I don't believe so. I think it's what the Titanic one was based <laughs> off of, right? <laughs> no, the, he's right. the The one that she drops in the ocean in the end, yeah. the old broad Rose. It's been eighty four um, years. Oh, yeah. yeah, she yeah, that, yeah. that is yeah. based off the Hope Diamond, but I don't think it had any affiliation to the Titanic. But we've seen it in the Smithsonian Boy Scout trip. We remember?
2: Have. Yeah. Seen it on more than one occasion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, back to the Dybbuk. Now, have you guys heard about this? You know, what do we know about this? Have you heard the original tale or or anything about this Dybbuk or Dybbuk box?
2: Uh, Before getting into this podcast, I had not really looked into it that hard. And the only thing that brought up any familiarity was the movie The Possession. I remember seeing it way back in the day when it first came out. Okay, which was like what 2012?
3: Tw- that box is in the movie it's like uh, what it's the based, movie's based
2: on it's based loosely on the story that we're talking hmm. about tonight that i'm 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 just gonna say it the one in the movie is way cooler than the one in, that is actually pictured here in the Ooh, real story
0: i'm gonna have sort of have to uh disagree with you there, okay, I think the one in the picture is much more creepier,
2: okay, wow. Now, teabag like a medicine cabinet.
0: <laughs> now, T-Bag, you had never heard of this?
3: Uh, no, like the only thing I know about like Jewish mythology is like golems and stuff. So, yeah, this is okay. a
0: dream. mythology. <laughs> now, si- what? This is this what is is mythology? It? Yeah, I guess. I mean, religion in a, like? in a similar vein. Judaism is a very old religion. There's a lot of mythology around it, Rob. I guess this
3: was like a real thing in like the Torah or something.
0: I don't know if Dybbuk specifically is in the Torah. I think it actually might be in one of, it's like, uh, I mean, I guess it is. Yeah. Cause old Testament, right. That's Torah. Oh, well then I,
3: I apologize. I didn't mean to offend anybody by calling it mythology. That's, well, but that's no, the no, slander. I think
0: it has a, it's grown like a lore of its own. If that makes sense, you know, okay. it's similar to stuff in the Bible that has, has garnered like, like think about, um, Mormonism, you know, that's a set like what, like magic underwear. <laughs> like what would you call that? If anything, of like it's an extension of the Bible. You know, they took the Bible, put their spin on it, flipped it, developed their own religion. Like I said. Yeah. But uh Dibbuk definitely does relate
2: to the Torah Judaism in general. But would you classify it as mythology or more of like a folk tale?
3: Well, okay. See, okay. Now-
0: well, that's, sin- yeah, we're splitting hairs here, dude. Come on. That's- I'm <laughs> just not trying to offend thing. anybody
3: if this is like a real thing. That's well, all. Well, okay. But my luck, I'll end up with this damn wine medicine cabinet in my house and be cursed. Yeah, and apparently even what? pictures of
0: it can lead to curses, which we, I think I've been cursed by this oh, thing. Dude. There's 10 of them out there. Because since we did our stories episode, um, which we scrapped, which we might drop, um, <laughs>
2: we are just going to keep, so, keep shamelessly plugging Yeah, it.
0: that was a few weeks ago. But since I've been doing the research for this, I've been waking up every single night at like around 3, 3.30 on stop, the dot. Stop,
2: dude, stop.
0: And I'm thinking maybe it has mm. to do with the giant devil tapestry I hung up for Halloween <laughs> or maybe it has to do with this Dybbuk research, dude. This stuff can apparently haunt you in pictures. And then we'll get into a whole other... Uh, a little bit of both, maybe. We'll split hairs here all day at the end because we'll get into the whole, like, is it mythology? Is it religion? Is it folktale? Is it... Uh, Bullshit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for me... This one I there was one specific summer when I was home from college, got really into reading creepy pastas, and I would just This was a creepypasta? Uh this this story, I mean I guess kind of. You know, we'll get into the whole evolution of the story, but essentially yes, it was a creepypasta. But a Dybbuk is a real thing, is what I'm saying. The guy took the lore, added it to the story. Make sense? We track in here? Yeah, tracking. Uh, but yeah, one summer, got really into this
2: stuff. Got really and, drunk.
0: Uh, and this Black is where... I
2: drunk, just started reading creepy Creepypasta.
0: Yeah, and this is where I read this original tale. Creeped the hell out of me, I'm going to say.
2: Well, um, that's where it gets its name.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, let's let's start off. Uh, we're going to tell you the tale. So I give you, Loyal Legion, The Tale of the Dybbuk Box. Now, this is uh, from the original eBay listing, 2004, uh, this was listed as follows. The title of the listing was Dybbuk Haunted Jewish Wine Cabinet Box. Uh, This gained 51 bids and sold for $280. Now, in the description of this item, there is where we get the story of this cursed object. And that tale read as follows. All of the events that I am about to set forth in this listing are accurate and may be verified by the winning bidder with copies of hospital records and sworn affidavits that I am including as part of the sale of the cabinet. The winning bidder will also be able to contact most of the persons mentioned herein for the purposes of verification, corroboration, and to gain insight into the full scope of whatever it is. During September of 2001, I attended an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. The items liquidated at this sale were from the estate of a woman who had passed away at the age of 103. A granddaughter of the woman told me that her grandmother had been born in Poland, where she grew up, married, raised a family, and lived until she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. She was the only member of her family who survived the camp. Her parents, brothers, a sister, husband, and two sons, and a daughter were all killed. She survived the camp by escaping with some other prisoners, somehow making her way to Spain, where she lived until the end of the war. I was told that she acquired the small wine cabinet listed here in Spain. It was one of only three items she brought with her when she immigrated to the United States. The other two items were a steamer trunk and a sewing box. I purchased the wine cabinet along
2: with the sewing box and some other furniture at the estate sale. So, hey, just go ahead and buy the only items that my grandmother immigrated to this country with. Okay, yeah, I mean... <laughs> she only had the steamer trunk left. Hey, well, we'll see
0: why she wanted God to get God knows of. where that was. Um, so he purchased the stuff. Now, after the sale, I was approached by the woman's granddaughter who said, I see you got the Dybbuk box. She was referring to the wine cabinet. I asked her what a dibbick box was, and she told me that when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept a wine cabinet in her sewing room. It was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. The grandmother always called it the Dibbock box. When the girl asked her grandmother what was inside, her grandmother spit three times through her fingers and said, A dibbock. A keslem. The grandmother went on to tell the girl the wine cabinet was never, ever, Ever, to be opened the granddaughter told me that the grandmother had asked that the box be buried with her however as such a request was contrary to the rules of an orthodox Jewish burial the grandmother's request had not been honored so maybe not really the best granddaughter here if she's not <laughs> honoring her, her grandmother's wishes and then selling this stuff off well what are the rules you can't have anything buried with you well, I don't know have you seen the movie The Vigil? another Jewish horror movie very creepy, but it's like not. they have to like watch the body overnight or something like that so that no spirits like latch onto it and then um, interesting. but again this is I think that's like straight up Hasidic Jewish.
3: That would have been a little unorthodox.
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is like uh, I guess bearing with the box. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're not allowed to have any possessions, you know? Mm. Um, now, I asked the granddaughter what a Dibbock and Keslam were, and she did not know. Probably a lie. Mm. I asked if uh, she would like to open it with me, and she did not want to open it, as her grandmother had been very emphatic and serious when she instructed her not to do so. And regardless of the reasoning, she wanted to honor her grandmother's request. So where do we draw the line here? Yeah, she'll honor this (laughs) one, but not the other stuff. Now, I finally ended up offering to let her keep what seemed to me to be a sentimental keepsake. At that point, she was very insistent and said, no, you bought it. I explained that I didn't want my money back and that it would make me feel better to do what I thought was an act of kindness. She then became somewhat upset. Looking back now, the way she became upset was plain odd. She raised her voice to me and said, You bought it, you made a deal. Let's make a deal. Uh, now, when I tried to speak, she yelled, We don't want it! We don't want it here.
2: I don't want you We don't want it here. Where do you want us?
0: want it here? Now she began to cry and asked me to leave and quietly walked and quickly walked away. I wrote the whole episode off to the stress and grief she must have been experiencing. I took my purchase and politely left. At the time when I bought the cabinet, I owned a small furniture refinishing business. I took the cabinet to my store and put it in my basement workshop where I intended it to refinish it and give it as a gift to my mother. I didn't think anything more about it. I opened my shop for the day and went to run some errands, leaving the young woman who did sales for me in charge. After about a half hour, I got a call on my cell phone. The call was from my salesperson. She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone was in my workshop breaking glass and swearing. Furthermore, the intruder had locked the iron security gates and the emergency exit, and she could not get out. As I told her to call the police, my cell phone battery went dead. I hit speeds of a hundred miles getting back to the shop. When I arrived, I found the gates locked. I went inside and found my employee on the floor in a corner of my office sobbing hysterically. I ran to the basement and went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was hit by an overpowering, unmistakable odor of cat urine. In there before <laughs> in parentheses there had never been any animals kept or found in my shop out of parentheses the lights <laughs> didn't work as I investigated I found the reason the lights didn't work also explained the sounds of breaking glass all of the light bulbs in the basement were broken all nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets and ten four foot fluorescent tubes were lying shattered on the floor I did not find an intruder. However, I also add there was only one entrance to the basement. It would have been impossible for anyone to leave without meeting me head on. That's impossible. I went back up to speak with my salesperson, but she had left. She never returned to work after having been with me for two years. She refuses to discuss the incident to this day. I never thought of relating the events of the day to anything having to do with the wine cabinet. Then, things got worse. As I already indicated, I had decided to give the cabinet to my mother as a birthday gift. About two weeks after I made the purchase, I decided to get started refinishing it. I was surprised to find the cabinet's unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and little drawer below to open at the same time. It is very well made. Inside the cabinet, I found the following items. One 1928 U.S. Wheat Penny. One 1925 U.S. Wheat Penny. One small lock of blonde hair bound with a string. One small lock of black brown hair bound with a string. One small granite statue engraved and gilded with Hebrew letters. I have been told that the letters spell out the word Shalom. One dried rosebud one golden wine cup one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs that sounds cool (laughs) yeah well there's a picture of it now I saved all of the items in a box intending to return them to the estate the family has refused the items so so they will be included in the sale of this cabinet after opening the cabinet I decided not to refinish it I cleaned it Rubbed in some lemon oil. It was at this time I noticed there was an inscription in Hebrew carved into the back of the cabinet. I have no idea what it says or if it is significant. I have included a picture of that inscription below. On my mother's birthday, October 28, 2001, my mother called to tell me that she was going out of town with my sister for three days. And we postponed celebrating her birthday until she returned. On October 31st, 2001, my mother came to my shop. Mm, coincidence? Halloween. Here we go, baby. Uh, we were going to have lunch together, but before we were going to leave, I gave her the wine cabinet. She seemed to like it. She, she examined it. I went to make a phone call. I hadn't been out of sight more than five minutes when one of, one of my employees came running into my office saying that something was wrong with my mom. When I went back to see what the matter was, I found my mom sitting in a chair beside the cabinet. Her face had no expression, but tears were streaming down her cheeks. No matter how hard i tried to get her to respond, she would not. She could not. It turns out that my mother had suffered a stroke. She was taken to the hospital by ambulance. She ended up suffering partial paralysis and losing her ability to speak and form words. She has since regained the ability to speak. She could understand things that were being said to her and could respond by pointing to letters of the alphabet and spelling out words she wanted to say. When I asked her the following day how she was doing, she teared up and spelled out the words N-O-G-I-F-T. No gift. I assured her that I had given her a gift for her birthday thinking that she didn't remember, but she became even more upset and spelled out H A T E G I F T, hate gift. I laughed and told her not to worry. I told her I was sorry she didn't like the cabinet and that I would get her anything she wanted if she would promise to get well soon. Still, I didn't associate anything that happened with the cabinet itself
2: or anything paranormal. How, frankly, do you not, how do you not think of that at that time?
0: Well, you know, it could be just a, uh, it's a stroke. She just
2: hates the gift. <laughs>
0: oh, fuck it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it honestly could be that. Uh, if, if you're a, a person that doesn't believe in that kind of stuff, you know, he's just thinking, hey, maybe my mom just had a stroke. Um, now, frankly, I don't think I ever used the term paranormal until last month. I'll try to make this short now. I gave the cabinet to my sister. She kept it for a week, then gave it back. She complained that she couldn't get the doors to stay closed, and they kept coming open. There are no springs in the door mechanism, and I have never found the doors to come open. I gave it to my brother and his wife, who kept it for three days, and then gave it back. My brother said it smelled like jasmine flowers, while his wife insisted that it put out an odor of cat urine. I gave it to my girlfriend, who asked me to sell it after only two days. I sold it the same day to a nice middle-aged couple. Three days later, when I came to open the shop for the day, I found the cabinet sitting at the front doors with a note that read,
2: "Hate gift."
0: This has a bad darkness. I had no idea what that meant. Anyway, I ended up taking it home.
3: I think what this means is that there's some unappreciative motherfuckers out there. This man's out here handing out this gift. Well, people ma- hate it. Just hang on to it, and if you don't like hey, it, hey, maybe
0: uh, they—they're not big. Even worse, they're not big wine people. You yeah. know, it's <laughs> a wine cabinet. Let's not forget that. Well, they're whining
3: about it.
2: <laughs> a <laughs> no. wine cabinet filled with a bunch of weird shit.
0: Now he writes. Then things got even worse. Since the day I brought it home, I began having a strange, recurring nightmare. Every time I have the horrible dream, it goes something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust. At some point in the dream, I find myself looking into the eyes of the person I am with. And then I realize there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point, in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living piss out of me. I have awoken numerous times to find bruise marks on myself where I had been hit by the old woman during the previous dream.
3: Sounds like a lot of my (laughs) ex-girlfriends.
0: Still. I never related the nightmares to the cabinet, nor do I think I ever would have. About a month ago, however, my sister, my brother, and his wife came over to the house and spent the night. The following morning, during breakfast, my sister complained that she had a horrible nightmare. She said that she recalled having had it a couple of times before, and went on to describe my nightmare exactly to the last detail. My brother and his wife froze as they listened and chimed in they had both had the exact same dreams during the night as well. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck and still is. As we talked, it became clear that the common denominator was that each of us had the nightmare during times the cabinet was in our respective homes. I called my girlfriend and asked if she could recall having any nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, same hag, everything. When I asked her if she remembered the date when she had the nightmare, she said she did not. Then I asked if it happened to be the night before she gave me the cabinet back to sell for her. She said, yeah, hey, how did you know that? Now since my family discussion, it seems like all hell is breaking loose. For a week afterward, I started seeing what I can only describe as shadow things in my peripheral vision. In fact, numerous visitors to my house have claimed that they have seen the shadow things. I put the cabinet in an outside storage unit and was awakened when the smoke alarm in the unit went off in the middle of the night. When I went to see what was burning, I opened the door and didn't see any smoke. However, I did get hit with the smell of cat urine. When I went back inside, the smell was in my house. I do not own a cat, and I never have. I went back outside, grabbed the cabinet, I brought it back inside, and tried to research it on the internet. While I was surfing the net, I fell asleep and once again had the same freaking nightmare. I woke up around 4.30am, when it felt and smelled like someone was breathing on my neck. Smelled like? Maybe they had halitosis, you know? (laughs) Now, I found that my house smelled like jasmine flowers. And just in time, I woke up to see a huge shadow thing go loping down the hall away from me. I would destroy this thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. I am afraid, and I do mean afraid that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I have been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you are one of these people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. You can see that I have no reserve price or minimum bid. If I can make things any easier, let me know, and I will do everything within my abilities. One more note. On the same day my mom had her stroke, the lease to my store was summarily terminated without cause. The measurements are 12.5 inches by 7.5 inches by 16.25 inches. All of the items that I originally found inside the cabinet are included in the sale and will be delivered with the cabinet.
3: Now, I, I can't decide if this guy's genius or this is like the worst marketing ever.
0: (laughs) Now, so that's the tale. Like that's the eBay post. What are we thinking? Initial thoughts of the story? Like you come across this on eBay. Are
2: you, are you putting a bid in for this thing? No, I am not.
3: (laughs) Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying.
2: Hey, you want to be haunted and have your whole house smell like a cat? (laughs) (laughs)
3: this is like a pair i don't know if it's genius or not man like
2: well someone apparently someone bought it
3: Apparently, that, like, kind of, yeah right
0: well yeah i mean i think that's the guy's idea now turns out the hebrew carving on the back this is a relatively common jewish prayer uh hear O israel the lord is our god the lord is one blessed is the name Of his honored kingdom forever. Now, I do some sleuthing around on this. Hmm. uh, And from what I could find, this is a Jewish prayer known as the Shema. uh, And this serves as a centerpiece of morning and evening prayer services. It's also traditional for Jews to say this as their last words Hmm. and for parents to teach their children to say it before they go to sleep at night. Now there are some pictures of the wine cabinet or Dybbuk box.
3: Now if I look at this, am I cursed?
0: Dude, honestly that's don't what I've that been thinking. Maybe just don't leave it open too long. Keep on scrolling. Right. And I'll mm. post these pictures on the Instagram. Um Maybe we don't do
2: that. Now
0: <laughs> so I mean, come on, guys. Who doesn't like a nice ghost story? I mean, this is this has got it all, right?
3: Like I could see it was being made into a movie.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. well it did. Well it did. <laughs> oh well. Okay. I think there's actually a few movies, but the one Rob talked about in the beginning, The Possession, definitely the best one.
3: It's based on this.
0: Yes, it's based on this. Um based on a Jew story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is based on a Jew story. Now <laughs> So I do some internet sleuthing. <laughs> I do some more internet sleuthing. I'm diving deeper into this stuff because, as I said, I read this tale back in like had to be like 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, actually, maybe maybe later than that. But um, so I start looking around. I see, you know, I remember this tale when it first came out. Let's see what's happened uh since then. Let's see how it's evolved. Um, so I do some snooping around. Um, because it's like we were saying, like this has essentially become a modern myth, you know, uh, there's a ton written on this. There've been films made books written. Uh, it's been featured on ghost adventures numerous times. So, you know, hmm. it's real. Yeah. So you definitely know it's real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now, so apparently in 2003, Portland, Oregon writer and furniture refinishing business owner, Kevin Manis. Purchased the cabinet from a yard sale of a local attorney and began developing the backstory. Can't see too well. Is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Now, Now, according to Manis, he says, quote, the carving on the back is my carving. The stone that was in the box is a signature creation of mine. Make no mistake, I conceived of the Dybbuk box, the name, the term, the idea, and wrote this creative story around it to post on eBay. So he's saying right there, it's bullshit. Well, <laughs> well, 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 let's, let's take a little, uh, I made it up. let's take a little, uh, dive under the microscope. If you will, a little peep under there, look at this thing even closer. So he says, yes, he conceived the whole story. He wrote it. He made it up. This is fact or fiction. Uh, you know, he's saying I'm a writer. I made it up. A <laughs> writer's made uh, it up. <laughs> now Jason Haxton. Not this time. Age 63, he is actually the third owner of the box after Manus, uh, who sold it. So Manis is the original owner. He sold it to Losif Netsky, uh, and this is the guy that made the eBay post that you'll find if you search around on this. Uh, now he bought it from Manis on eBay for 140, and in February of 2004, sold it to Haxton again on eBay for 280.
2: Wow. Flipped it. What yep, a guy. Flipped it.
0: <laughs> now, according to this one article I was reading, there's now a little bit of a rivalry between Mannis and Haxton. Um, you know, while Mannis he wrote the whole story. He came up with the concept. It seems that Haxton has benefited more financially. And he is more like associated with the box in terms of the general public. I had to make that 280 back. You know what I mean? Uh, and he also wrote a book. On it. He, so, you know, when they say, like, both writers. I wrote the book on this, like, he can say that to the guy who made the story. <laughs> he can go up to him and say, I wrote the fucking book on this, you know?
2: You just wrote an eBay listing, you
0: motherfucker. Yeah. Now, in the end of Haxton's book, he calls Manus out, accusing him of making the whole thing up. But despite this, Haxton believes the Dibbock box's powers are real. Now, his theory is that Manis himself cursed the box using Kabbalah. Now, I'm... Practical it, magic? Well, not necessarily. So you know how we were talking at the beginning, uh, like, Jewish, uh, like Judaism, mythology, folklore, stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking up a simple explanation of Kabbalah and I find that that does not exist.
2: It does not. Because. <laughs> Nothing simple about it, my Kabbalah friend.
0: Kabbalah is this. So we we know Judaism, one of the oldest monotheistic religions in the world. I think it's actually the oldest monotheistic. Mm. Oldest monotheistic religion.
2: That sounds about right.
0: Okay. Should
2: well, we uh, run the numbers on that real no, quick? No,
0: we'll agree to disagree there. Uh, now. Kabbalah is essentially Jewish mysticism. It's like a deeper study on Judaism. It's like esoteric, Enochian magic type stuff. Uh, You know, Book of Enoch. Maybe we do an episode on that. Um, It's essentially like a Jewish tradition of of a mystical interpretation of the Bible. Now, I want you guys to pay attention here because this is where I'm kind of getting a little confused. But essentially... Kabbalah is a set of esoteric teachings meant to explain the relationship between the unchanging eternal God, the mysterious Ein Sulf or the infinite and the mortal finite universe or God's creation. So this essentially like forms the foundation of mystical religious interpretations within Judaism. And Does that make sense to any of you guys? Are you tracking there? Um, It sounds like the force. Okay. Well, it's not necessarily that it's like, um, I guess if you want to equate it to star Wars, it would be like how the force, the Jedi and the dark side all kind of relate and intertwine to each other. Does that make sense?
2: (laughs) I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's that exact.
0: Well, yeah, obviously, it's not a. It's not a. This
2: seems more like the relationship between God, your soul, and then your mortal life here on Earth.
0: Okay, yes, it's not a one-one translation to Star Wars. I'm just trying to put it in terms for him to understand. Terms for (laughs) for all the Star Wars fans (laughs) out there. Now, nerd talk. Now, also, I I look up some more of this stuff, and this was a pretty good analogy. So this one guy was saying that Kabbalah is meant to be studied after a student has mastered the material of the Torah. So think of it like astrophysics level material within Judaism. You don't just start at astrophysics, you know, you start at physics 101 and you work your way up over years and years and years. So with Kabbalah, you start at the Torah and then I assume you branch into like Judaism as a whole, theology maybe. And then you work your way up. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Now. So you can just hop ahead? Yeah. I mean, I was, cause I was thinking like, oh, Kabbalah. just want to get to the magic. <laughs> well, I was like, dude, Kabbalah stuff. would be great. We put a whole segment in here on this. I start reading into it and I'm like, okay. That's a whole episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't even or really like a truly understand. Yeah. Uh, that's a deep dive. Now, Back to this Manus guy. So he goes on record with this guy who wrote the article and he says, quote, I am a creative writer. The Dybbuk box is a story that I created and the Dybbuk box story has done exactly what I intended it to do when I posted it 20 years ago, which
2: is to become an interactive horror story in real time. No, Manus is the original owner of the box well, he's the one that bought it from the yard sale, correct?
0: Yes, and made the story. Now, this is like what what uh, Adam was saying. Like, is this guy a genius? Because this is he's done exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to make this like a tangible, real thing, develop a story behind it, sell it on eBay. And now we're seeing that it's worked or like there's movies made about it. It's it's become like a
2: modern myth. Yeah. And now he's pissed because he only made 140 bucks. Well, I think,
3: well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is this thing for sale on eBay again? I think you need it for the studio.
0: Well, Hey, we'll get to where, we'll get to where it is now. You're hopping ahead. Okay. Um, Okay. Now, not everything about Manis, story was fake. You know, he says he did in fact give it to his mom on Halloween and she did in fact have a stroke, although he does he doesn't say it was like right after receiving the box. Um now man is also Technically not a lie. Yes, exactly. This is like (laughs) what I'm thinking is this is like the you know the always sunny episode where Dennis's memoirs are like insane and they want to like make them true. So they're like they like try to recreate the stories, you know? This is like that. Like he's saying like technically she did have a stroke after I gave her the box, but he's not saying like when that was, this could have been months after he gave her the box. Um,
3: yeah, I mean, we've all had a stroke (coughs) after getting the box one time or
0: another. Yeah, there you go. Now, Manis also admitted, uh, to adding new elements to the story over the years to help evolve it and keep it quote unquote relevant. And we'll get into some of that stuff. Um, right after we get into the film real quick. So The Possession, as Rob was saying, 2012, uh, the most prominent of three movies about the Dybbuk box, The Possession comes out, produced by Sam Raimi of Evil Dead and Spider-Man fame.
3: Uh
0: And uh, both Manis and Haxton were paid production consultants on the film. Now, Haxton owned the box at the time, and the film also features A1 Yahu as the hero. Legendary. Legendary, dude. He's doing uh, Jewish Kabbalah, a little bit of Jew magic to get this Dybbuk back in the box. Will Jew-Rab?
2: Honestly save the
0: movie, in my opinion.
2: Uh, honestly, dude. Yeah. Uh
0: Now, around the time of the movie's release, director Ol Borndal claims... <laughs> Is that his real,
2: is his <laughs> first name Ole? That's the guy's name. That is an incredible name. I'm hey, going to It's name. All old It's all old Born doll <laughs> coming up. It's old Born doll <laughs> himself,
0: the director of The Possession. Now, he claims that quote really weird things happened during production. He describes standing underneath an unlit neon light that randomly exploded. He says that 5 days after shooting wrapped, all of the props from the film were destroyed in a mysterious fire for which the Vancouver fire department does not know the cause mob hit. Now, again, I don't know if this is maybe cause who knows how true this is. This could be like old Borndal cooked this up himself to just add more mythology to the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like a Blair witch type situation, you know? Just like, you know how they created that whole website about, like, it's a true story and stuff. This is kind of, it kind of is like that. Like, I don't know if this, uh, if the movie props were in there. I did find that this, like, warehouse where they were burned down. And I found, like, stuff that he was saying. But who knows about the light
2: exploding? Yeah, that's very interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, just, uh, you know, theatrics.
0: Exactly. Like, he could have been, Manus could have just paid him and been like, hey. Just weird things conjure, are gonna yeah, happen. Conjure up a little bit of weird oddities, and we're gonna sell this thing and make a whole bunch of money. So now and finally get paid off of this. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> now, eventually, in 2016, Haxton sold the cabinet to Ghost Adventure star Zach Baggins. Wow, flipped it again. Yep. Now Zach, dis- what's the price there? Uh, they know? no, I did read in the article. It said it is an undisclosed price.
2: So that's a yeah. shitload of money. Oh, probably. dude,
0: Zach Baggins, he's forking over the cash for this thing because he displays it in his museum in Las Vegas, which we got to go check out next time we're in Vegas, boys.
2: Mm, don't nope. know about that. Maybe
0: we do a little live cast from the Dybbuk. We try to yep, get we yep. try to get the Dybbuk's point of view on this thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. We hold a microphone up to the box, see if we can catch any any uh what's it called? Like EMF? Smell a little cat taste. Yeah, smell some jasmine. Um <laughs> so yeah, that's where the box resides today. Now that same year, Baggins featured both Manis and Haxton on an episode of Ghost Adventures Deadly Possessions, uh, also known as Ghost Adventures
2: Artifacts. Have you seen that? Have-
0: episode i i maybe i mean i've seen a bunch of episodes with this stuff um but in those episodes he brings the box to the haunted museum in las vegas uh and today it is one of the museum's highlights advertised as the world's most haunted object Hmm. uh now post malone also claims to have been haunted or cursed by this box after being featured on an episode where he touches the box. He claims in the month that followed, his private plane was forced to make an emergency landing, his San Fernando Valley home was broken into, and he was involved in a car accident, all in the span of about a month. And you want
2: to go hang out with this thing?
0: Yes, dude. I told you. I am open to these. uh,
2: You don't have a private plane, buddy. I don't have what do to think fly. happened to you? Private. <laughs> I don't think I have to fly private to go there. If
0: anything, I'm safer driving. He was
3: involved in a car accident. A Little old post post over here.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not going to touch the box. It's behind glass, dude. I don't think you can touch it. It's like Robert the Boys. doll. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the, like Robert E. T. Yeah, I think we can find a way to touch it, though. You know?
2: Yeah. Oh, always. <laughs> there's, always there's always a way you can touch it. You just might get in trouble.
0: Now, okay, so as we know, Haxton, he's gaining more popularity in the press. Uh, So this is when Manus steps in, and he says, quote, the only way to regain control and to have viable assets was to keep writing the story. Now, on Ghost Adventures Quarantine, Manus adds in some more lore to his story. Uh, He had given Baggins a second smaller Dybbuk box on that show and he says there were a total of 10 boxes that were hidden all around the globe. Now, Manis explained that uh, I guess some Jewish broad maybe the original owner of the box uh, along with a few other Jewish women summoned an evil spirit to help the Jews fight against the Nazis during the Holocaust. But they could not control it knowing what they had done was wrong they eventually captured the dybbuk and separated it into 10 boxes if those boxes are ever brought together evil will be unleashed the likes of which the world has never seen baggins now has two of them while manis has six and the last two are yet to be found
2: now bilbo baggins might have the other two
0: I'm thinking. So this guy, uh, he's trying to keep the story relevant. This is around 2016, 17. This dude j- literally just watched like a Marvel movie, and was like, "Oh yeah, this is like the infant stones and in Thanos. We're just gonna have a fucking Dybbuk boxes, ten of them all around the world. He, don't let them get together. Like what? Are, come on. You know How the do you
3: like that though. That is a good <laughs> fan. <laughs>
0: I think the original story and just leaving it at that was cooler. You add more of a mystery to it. making you this like
3: milk that cow, man. Yeah,
0: and also, if, they're, if they summoned this Dybbuk to help fight the Nazis... Didn't do a very yeah, good job.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Dybbuk didn't do a very good job, I'm, not, I'm just gonna say.
0: Hey, they got the ball back, didn't they?
2: Well, you can't fight evil with evil, you know?
0: That's true, and I think it... I mean, I'm thinking if anybody is to, like... You know, you see the shirts all the time, back-to-back World War champs with the U.S. of A. (laughs) Dude, no, I'm thinking the Ruskies, dude, if anybody, are the ones who should be claiming victory for World War II. Mm. Dude, come on, man. Eastern Front, fucking brutal, dude. I'm not denying that. Oh, that was the Pacific Theater. A little different. (laughs) yeah well apparently the jews were summoning fucking d Bucks up there in the eastern front (laughs) um d Bucks. but yeah i'm just saying this is like uh i don't know that the story needed this like uh rehashing with these 10 boxes you know it takes away from the original box yeah the guy's fucking coming after the
2: money you know okay okay. okay well 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 it's a cash grab
0: so though, so you think this thing is completely fabricated, cash grab, no truth to it? Yet you're still afraid of the box somehow.
2: I didn't say I was afraid of it.
0: You said you don't want to go to the museum. You don't want to buy the box. I don't want to you touch want to the box. I'll
2: go. I'll go check it out. But you I don't think want this to is a
0: fabricated it. story? You don't want to touch it?
2: Yes, I'm a little stitious. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. so, now, like we said, if I'm just saying. If that other guy actually did put a curse on it. Okay, that's right. Okay. Then maybe that's why it's haunted. But for as far as we're going for Manis, it sounds like he literally admitted to just making up some bullshit to sell it.
0: Yeah, but the other guy is saying that Manis put the curse on it. Oh, I thought the other guy said he put a curse. No, he on says Manis, but he says Manis oh. made this whole thing up, but he put the curse on it. Now though Manis claims to be an avid student of Kabbalah. He denies Haxton's allegations that he put any kind of curse or spell on the wine cabinet before selling it. Well,
3: sure. You got to cover your ass. That's a liability.
0: Well, wouldn't he want to be like, yeah, I fucking curse this thing. You're all doomed. He doesn't have it anymore. He created the story. He wants to keep adding lore to the story.
3: Yeah, but then if something bad happens while you're in possession, can't you a lawyer rob? Yeah. Okay,
0: so you could sue him. You yeah, think? and this is, doesn't want to claim it. You know, he okay just wants to say yeah. that it's a
2: story. All right,
0: so maybe this guy's afraid of some uh, lawyer allegations. Possibly, if he did curse
2: it. Well, I mean, the guy, curse law. The guy, curse law. The <laughs> magic. The already bought the box, so it's it's, 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 it's out of his, his possession now. Kabbalah, if you will.
0: Okay, so kabbalah. Yeah. Could come back to haunt him. All right. Well, so back to my internet sleuthing, and you guys are saying this thing's all... What what do we think, though? I mean, you think maybe this guy did curse it, and you think this whole thing's just fake, a fugazi? What do we got? I mean, what do we think? Thoughts at this point in the tale?
3: I mean, old boy came out and shredded, like, this. this is straight bogus. I made this up to sell the item, but... Like anytime people say so, but there's got to be a little bit of truth. Like, I mean, I guess his mom did have that stroke and everything.
0: Okay. So he just embellished to help like sell
2: the story.
3: I'm thinking like, there's got to be a little more truth to it than he's letting on, but he's got to also cover his ass if he's going to sell this thing.
2: All right. I mean, sounds like bullshit to me, honestly, but you're still not touching the thing. No. <laughs> okay,
0: I not, you cannot grasp this concept. Like, if
2: we Why? were, there, would it's you,
0: bullshit,
2: but you would not touch it just in case. Dave, you gotta be safe.
3: Would you read the prayer on the back if we were there looking at this thing? Yeah, sure. Okay,
2: if
0: I was touching it, would you touch me? No, pause. <laughs> pause. Okay, <laughs> all right, well. Okay, so I don't think you're allowed to touch it, dude. We're not fucking
2: millionaires. We're not Post Malone,
0: dude. I think if we go to Zach and say, "Hey, we'll feature you on the pod." Yep. Let us touch this fucking thing.
2: You uh, already know this. Yeah.
0: Us. <laughs> yeah. I Did think you say we could. The yeah. You want to go touch it? Yes. Yeah. I, nice. I'll open this fucking thing up. Stick my head in there. <laughs> you, you're the one saying you already having nightmares. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not saying there's anything bad about that. I'm just saying it's a little strange. You don't think it's coincidental? I do think it's coincidental. So some Jew curse? But I don't care. I think I can withstand the curse, dude.
2: Oh. The curse of the Kabbalah? Yes.
0: Now, all right, so back to my internet slow thing, Because I'm thinking, you know. Snoopy over here. Is there any truth to this thing? <laughs> now, the word Dybbuk. Is a Yiddishized adaptation of the Hebrew root "devik," meaning to cling or to clave. cleave. Cleave? Those,
3: those are two very different things.
0: What's cleaving?
3: Like cutting off? Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, that's where this word—that's the root word of this. Well, thing. maybe it's uh, clinging to you until it cuts off your life support.
3: Like Klingon or like Alien.
0: Okay. Now a dibik. ...is believed to be the spirit of a person who, instead of drifting into the next realm, sticks around and enters the bodies of living people and can, at times, control that body's behavior. Through the Uh, vagina. Yes, now... The idea of a Dybbuk came about in the 16th century when Kabbalah promoted ideas about the afterlife. Basically, they posit that a person who has committed serious sins like murder or sexual crimes and who died without repenting would be stuck in a spiritual limbo called gehenom Gehenom. I think that's a real thing. (laughs) <laughs> I, i'm looking this up now of course it's a real thing
2: <laughs> now this is where they would be tormented no i'm saying i personally believe that this is a that this is real this isn't some magic bullshit okay so you're going a little a little jewish you're getting a little jewish almost. i mean i don't think that this is only like specifically a jewish belief. this is just what they call this thing yeah. this limbo
3: like you think if you committed murder or sexual crimes and you died without repenting, you would be stuck in this place?
2: I, I'm not sure that it relates to not repenting for your sins, but I think that if there's like some crazy event or like your soul wasn't done on the earth like doing your purpose on earth before your body dies, that your soul can get your soul could get like stuck in limbo.
0: You got that from Casper,
2: dude. That's the plot of Casper.
0: Well, that's what
3: the man believes. Don't don't rag him for it. <laughs> no, just... I respect that.
0: Okay, but so uh, let's ignore the repenting. Just evil people when they die. Is that why ghosts are always like bad? I don't think they are always bad. Well, Casper, Casper's yeah, I think not bad. They get cynical. But a cynics. lot of ghosts. Uh, you think ghosts get a bad rap?
3: Yeah, most critics are cynical
2: assholes. I think the most popularized is always like horror stories like and is exactly that just because like of the horror genre? of casper as like a fucking joke you know like a kid's story but you're thinking casper's real i'm not saying casper's real i'm just saying <laughs> i'm sure that there's <laughs> ghosts out there that aren't just like fucking fucking with people 24
3: <laughs> okay. well, 7 look at meme news no one wants to hear the good stories anymore everybody just wants to hear the bad no one wants to hear the good sure. ghost stories everybody wants to hear the bad gory, scary ghost stories. Well, that,
2: that's what sells buddy. Sex, yeah, yeah. Sex sells. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sex and horror and sexy ghosts. Blood and murder. Yeah. Like, look at that's ghost with
3: costume right there.
2: Look at Patrick Swayze. Yeah. was that
0: driving? He, <laughs> he banged that broad in as a ghost, right? Hi. <laughs> All right. Now he still okay. had
3: some things to do before he went up. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so Kabbalah puts this whole idea out. 16th century. Um, Now, yes, it's the it's the idea of this uh, place where the soul would be tormented. Now, in an effort for this soul to escape its eternal torture, the spirit would hide in a living person where it could no longer be pursued by these tormentors of the
2: afterlife. Now, what were you about to say? Now, where have we seen these tormentors before? Uh, Slimer from Ghostbusters. (laughs)
0: Yes.
3: The Dementors, they were everywhere.
0: The Burbs with Tom Hanks. Isn't that a... Aren't they like fucking with him? Yeah. Now, Dybbuk's were usually male spirits who possessed women typically on the eve of their weddings. Wow. Uh, Often Dybbuk possessions took a very sexual tone, entering young virgins through the vagina. Now, in the 1914 play The Dybbuk, a young woman's lover dies before the two can wed and when the woman's father promises her to another suitor the deceased man returns to possess her now i was reading it on this whole thing and i think that like this article's explanation for like how the whole idea of like a dibbit came about was for women of that time to like get out of a of like arranged marriage like sounds like it. they
3: were possessed
0: essentially yeah oh, or the in me not only that but it's also like uh maybe not pretend. put your
3: out of me all
0: right like you know um the salem witch trials or like mass hysteria yes like it's something like that like maybe they will it so much that like they actually believe that they're possessed by this dybbuk in their vag
2: Ooh. or maybe this is just uh mental health that too. That is that a big is thing. Like undiagnosed. Yeah. at The turn of the nineteenth Ex- century. Well, sixteenth
0: century. If we're going <laughs> okay. all the way back. Okay. But yeah. Well,
2: like, I was talking about this.
0: Oh yeah, and of course I'm. Well yeah, nineteen fourteen play. Yeah. But yeah, I think that um, mental health
2: and like undiagnosed stuff like that probably pays, plays a huge part. Well, also if you just act crazy on the night of your wedding, no one's probably gonna want to. My God. It's too late Now they're point. saying this.
0: A... Well, if the guy's the guy's dead, there's a dibbuk in there. Oh, Lord, there's a
2: Dybbuk in there. Like, she's acting crazy, and, he, and they're just like, he's My, <laughs> My daughter has a Dybbuk <laughs> in a vagina. It can't get out. <laughs> oh, the Dybbuk's in there. There's no way this she's getting married. <laughs>
1: okay. oh. Jesus yeah,
0: I think it is like, well, think about, like, if you're a woman of that time, you're in a helpless situation, and your dad's like, yeah, you're going to marry this guy that you don't want to marry you're like, I got the Dybbuk in me, (laughs) you know? Um, Now, this also became, so the play, the 1914 play, The Dybbuk, uh, that also became a 1937 film by the same name, and both of these introduced this idea to a wider audience's. Now, causes of Dybbuk possessions apparently began to taper off in the 19th and 20th centuries as a result of declining belief in the occult and a growing understanding of mental illness. So just there as we are. were saying. Now, uh, there was a conclusion of this article about the like origins of the Dybbuk I was reading, which I thought was great. Uh, and it was this guy, Yossi Kages, uh, professor of Jewish history. This guy had an excellent quote in this article I was reading. He says, quote, people don't get possessed anymore because people don't believe in that anymore. There's a kind of spiritual operating system that people can choose to accept or not. You have to buy into the system for the system to operate on you. You can't get a Windows virus if you're running a Mac. But that doesn't mean the Windows virus doesn't exist.
2: Now, are we tracking here? What are we thinking of this quote? Makes sense.
3: Let's touch on this. Touch it. Because I have have, have a thought, man. You guys like scary movies, right?
2: That's sure. your sweet ass. Okay. See, the only
3: movies that I find like actually scary, I'll tell you the scariest movie of all time right now. The Exorcist. The Exorcist because I believe that shit could genuinely happen.
0: Well, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll see okay. your Exorcist and raise you a come and see. You ever seen it? A come and see? Come and see is the movie. He'll come inside Me- of you. Come and see... <laughs>
3: C-O-M-E-N-C.
0: Yes. Come and see. Okay. From Book of Revelations. Come and see. And I saw it's the end of the world. This is made by a Russian gentleman. It was banned for many years. It's about the Nazis on the Eastern Front going into Belarus. And it is one of the most terrifying movies of all time because not only could it happen, that actually did happen. And the way the guy filmed this movie is insane, dude. It scared the fuck out of me. What? what year this did is this like come Cannibal out? Holocaust. Uh, no, this is not at all like Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, That's knew, fucked it. up movie. <laughs> yeah, another fucked up movie. Uh, this is like which could actually happen as well. What year? I think it came. I want to say it came out in like the '60s. Um, but '69. Check, check it out. Come and see. Uh, you know, Rob, let's not please, Rob. Th- these are these were people.
3: This is like a scary movie or like a historical.
0: Both. It is a hit. Okay, this is what makes it so scary. It's like imagine Saving Private Ryan, yeah, but on the Eastern Front, and you're oh following boy, yeah, you're following darker. a young Russian boy, Belarus boy, uh, and but it's filmed similar to a horror movie so they have like weird sounds in there like it's not like most most war movies are what they're like glorifying it it's like yeah, heroes yeah, yeah. and and you know and villains but this is just straight up like showing you what ha- like the nazis had whole squads that would just go in through belarus towns go from town to town just lock everyone in the town and church and just light it on fire yeah and like that's what this movie's about it's fucking insane you ever
2: seen mm. Fury? It's Remember real when they up. go into the town right after that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real like fucked that, up kind of, real fucked up. Except more fucked up. Yeah.
0: Check it out. But mm. both now you're saying exorcist, you think uh so you're you're buying into the spirit Dybak stuff?
3: I mean, I'm just saying, like I, that's what yeah, I, I agree with what this guy's saying. If you don't believe in it, it's not gonna scare
0: you. Okay, okay. Like
3: I highly doubt there's a dude running around in a mask killing people on Halloween, so it doesn't scare me as much. Okay.
0: I agree it's with great Adam film. On this. Okay. And so, I'm not even that religious. Okay. Yeah. So it's like. The but ne- you don't
2: fuck with the demons. <laughs>
0: yeah. You ever read the Necronomicon? <laughs> speaking of. I have not. So Necronomicon is like in. The, it's like the book. It's It was whole, invented by H.P. Lovecraft. But it's like, you know, the book of the dead that he reads from in Evil Dead. Like but it's, Necromancy
3: and stuff. Yeah. Essentially, Shout out to Necro.
0: <laughs> essentially <laughs> in that book's intro, it's saying that like. To believe it, like, you have to be a believer for this stuff to work. Like, you can't just, uh like, you can't be, like, it's like Satanists, you know? Like, for a Satanist to be an actual true Satanist, you also need to believe in God. Hmm. You know? Like, you can't be, like, an atheist uh Satanist,
2: <laughs> you know?
3: There's never been no supreme being. Okay. Yeah, okay. you know? Um,
2: That's still a belief in something religious, right? Why? Yeah. If you're that's what a he's saying. if you're a Satanist, yeah, that's but why I'm can't saying be like for Satanism to work,
0: you need to also like you would take the Bible as like a joke. No, you would take <laughs> the Bible seriously. <laughs> Are you tracking? I'm tracking. I'm just you, kidding.
3: You really can't believe in Satan without believing that the fall, there's the fall from heaven, yeah, kind of the correct. whole conflict like, with God, and that's
0: faith. like a true Satanist, not like a
2: trendy. Uh like New LA age. TikTok say <laughs> LA. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um well you just have to ask yourself, do you believe in life after love?
0: Okay. <laughs> now now here's where I'm saying I'm getting to some theories. Um because perhaps this whole Dybbuk thing um is sort of like a thought form entity or a talpa. Now are we familiar with any of these? Well, I I certainly am because you asked me to research it. Okay. Now, so I'm looking into this stuff because I'm like, you know, I'm digging deeper and deeper on this stuff. Uh, Kabbalah, Judaism, religion. This is all like uh, very theological stuff, right? It is. Very esoteric knowledge, very occult stuff. We're about to get in here, guys. Um, so thought forms. If you don't know, like... This can, I guess, like thought form can be looked at as like the overarching umbrella for what we're about to discuss. Because thought forms, your thoughts, think about that. That's essentially like an energy with a certain vibration, right? You know, we talked about this on like our mind field episode and stuff like that. Um, now, negative thoughts can create negative events. Positive thoughts can create positive results, correct? Okay. we talking? Right. Um, now negative thoughts, especially those related to emotions can blend into what is known as thought forms. Now, in some sense, this could mean that, uh, you are giving them life, uh, since they feed on our thoughts. So think about this similar to like the plot of Coco, you know, Great great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Now, you know what they put their pictures on the altar and in the afterlife, if people don't talk about them, they just like go away you know so think about the thought form is kind of the same like if you're thinking about it it's there that's what keeps I it alive think, therefore i am <laughs> yes this is very ontological stuff we're getting into um so you know a writer he creates the plot of a story he's recalling it many times and many times in his memory uh in order to put it on the paper that's essentially a thought form mm. now you might be asking how can thought forms affect you? you um, so check out this example I found. So you believe that you are unhappy with being single. Adam. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> uh, you, you complain to your friends about it. And when you feel you feel unhappy when you're alone, uh, you create this belief that you will be never happy until you find a partner. Adam. Now this ap-
3: You're sending out bad ways.
0: Now this approach uh, <laughs> creates tension, it affects your well-being and it begins to create anxiety that causes you to enter into a relationship with the first person to take interest in you because you believe it will make you happy, even though this person may not suit you at all. So this is like an example of how thought forms
2: can ha- actually have like a tangible effect in your life.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm buying that.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. I believe in that. Okay. I'm tracking. I got some examples myself if you'd like me to read.
0: Okay. Do we, I mean, do we have anything on thought forms before we get into, into tulpas?
2: Well, this is the, the stuff that I researched is a little bit more of a thought form example than a tulpa.
0: Okay. What do we got? What do we got?
2: Well, so researching it myself, I felt like a lot of what the thought forms are about is kind of related to also what people would call a manifestation.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So when I was looking it up, a good example that I found is Jim Carrey, who we're all well aware of. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jim, if you're listening. Uh, he actually... Used this visualization process to manifest his dream and goal of becoming a successful actor. He said that in 1991, he wrote himself a $10 million check dated for Thanksgiving of 1995 and kept it in his wallet with him. When come to find out, when he's making Dumb and Dumber, guess how much money he made off that movie? In 1994, right before Thanksgiving of 1995. 10 mil? 10 10 mil, exactly. 10 million he made from Dumb and Dumber? Jesus. What a great film. And then he piggybacked off that to make 20 mil when he did The Cable Guy. So, I mean, that's a pretty good example of that right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, this isn't really like... Again, like there's so many, like, uh, I guess... Exam- like I don't in, examples isn't the right word like thought forms there's so many words for it they, that could just be like you know how like people like Mark Cuban are like you gotta envision your success or like uh, Tony Ro- hey everybody it's Tony Robbins <laughs> like he's like a positive <laughs> well, that guy's thoughts, like just a motivational speaker yeah. but you know they use this kind of rhetoric on people like people that might be depressed or sad in their lives and they're like hey you gotta start you like have a vision board and you think of this stuff every day and eventually it's gonna come to fruition it's kind of the same thing yeah they just call it something different
2: i think if you actually have the dedication to doing something like that and you can keep a positive attitude even if you have like a shitty job or a shitty like living situation or whatever it might be you know like you're broke whatever the case is if you can actually like maintain that positivity through it and like visualize your success i think that actually i think there is something to that
0: Yes, and I think what do we got?
3: No, I was just gonna say I agree, man. Like, you know, playing ball with these guys, if someone comes out like, oh, we're gonna lose tonight, you're like, dude, shut up, like don't put them bad waves out there. Okay. I absolutely agree with Rob.
0: And so a great thought form example would be those uh, those college commercials. Get on get off your the couch all day anyways. <laughs> Why don't you make a call that's gonna help you? Call right now. Like <laughs> that guy's putting out <laughs> thought forms. Um,
2: that's the ultimate example that is the
0: ultimate example Now, (laughs) so I'm looking more at this stuff and I guess a form of a a type of thought form I guess would be this concept of a tulpa which is a concept in mysticism and the paranormal of a being or object which is created through spiritual or mental powers Uh, tulpas can be created either with a collection of meditative techniques or accidentally an example would be an imaginary friend that persists later in life. Now, everything I looked up in terms of a tulpa is like someone that you kind of create that exists in your own mind, but has like a separate, um, has, has separate thoughts and like um, is, is separate from from you, if that makes sense, but still in your mind. Kind of like, like split personality disorder. Not necessarily the same mm. because you can kind of still control it. Like the so, movie Split, I think it would It's more relatable to like Tyler Durden in Fight Club. What about
3: like What about like Calvin and Hobbes?
0: Yes, exact or like F- Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends,
3: Donnie Darko.
0: But I think the diff- well Calvin and Hobbes like Hobbes is the tiger, right? Yeah, like Hobbes actually exists outside of Calvin. He's the tiger.
3: You He's know? his own entity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: this is like only in your mind, is everything that I could find on it, but. Um, I or, mean, I, that might be dependent on like who you talk to about this stuff.
2: If hmm. you create something that's like, uh, I don't know if a cult is the right word for it. Yeah. It's kind of more like, if it's like, uh, an object or something. Isn't that outside of your head? Hmm. Yeah. But then it wouldn't, it
0: would, what do you mean? Like if you're like a painting, like a painter makes a painting. Well,
2: the way that I looked at it is like a thought form is like, I'm going to own my own business and be successful. And then one day, you know, 10 years from now that happens because I've been like thinking about putting all these positive vibes into it. But the Tulpa and what I understood, maybe I like misunderstood it, but that is like when you use that same process, but you're creating something that can't be explained. Like it's not just something that helps you. It's not like a motivation. It's like, you literally create, like, some, like, fucking spirit being or something. Yeah,
0: like, almost like... It's like the imaginary friend thing. It's like you're creating something to interact with, not necessarily something to motivate you or work towards.
2: Well, like, in the case with the Dybbuk box, like, let's say that that's what that was. So is that something that only the creator of that can... control? has control over? Well... And if it's... Con- if he's controlling it while it's in someone else's possession, then... That's not just in his head, you know what I'm saying?
0: Exactly. Mm. And that's where I'm kind of going with this because if we go So Tolpa. That's another thing. Now, in the similar vein of thought forms and Tolpas is an egregor. Uh now this is an occult concept representing a distinct non physical entity that arises from a collective group of people. Um so it's essentially like a manifestation, a thought form. Occurring when a group shares commonalities, uh, being made up of and influencing thoughts of the group. So think like religious figures like God, Thor, Zeus. This is like a group of people who have all like thought of this set, have the idea of this separate thing. Are we tracking
2: there? We're tracking.
0: Now, obviously, of these, the Dybbuk would probably fit into this category best because, like we said, it's associated with Judaism, so it already has the religious aspect rolled into it. A lot of different people believe in this thing. Um, Now, again, as we were just saying, what's distinct about all of these
2: is that they are non-physical. They only exist within the mind. Would a zombie fit into this category? Because... It's in your head.
0: (laughs) Now, I guess technically, um, although we did discuss on our zombies episode that there have been some real life examples. um, But again, even the in your mind thing is dependent on who you ask. Now, essentially, I'm taking this a step further. So we always talk about consciousness a lot, you know, and the idea that like. Consciousness exists on its own plane in its own field. Remember, we talked about this is similar to like gravity or the magnetic field. There's a field of consciousness. Okay. Um, are we tracking here? Tracking. So could it be that as these myths, these legends, whatever you have it, enter our consciousness, they take on a life of their own? It's like it's as we said, it's the ontological argument. Uh, for God existing, you know, if something exists in the mind, does it also exist in reality? Now, I'm thinking about like, think about like Loch Ness Monster, maybe Bigfoot or Mothman. Um, probably the most tangible example I could think of was Slender Man. So Slender Man, you know, starts off as this internet story. It devolves it, it into a video game. And then you have that case where those girls like stabbed mm-hmm. the other girl to like sacrifice her to Slender Man. Now, if we think about that, like, yes, you can say Slender Man is just some fake, st- made up story, but tell that to the girl that was stabbed.
2: Right, right. Psycho.
0: Like, that's a, those girls like thought that was a real thing. Was this perhaps some type of like,
2: It exists of their imagination.
0: No, no, no. Like, I don't, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. Like this exists in the wave of our consciousness, the plane of our consciousness and actually like kind of takes on a shape of its own. So not necessarily a thought form or a tulpa, but like goes a step further and actually becomes real.
2: Or if maybe if you believe it enough and you're so scared of it that, you know, like, when you're like a little kid and you watch like some scary movie, and then when the lights go out, you're like, because you're always all thinking around, thinking like, oh shit, what was that? Like, you hear a noise, but it's just like your house creaking, but you're like, oh shit, what was and that? And you're, you're building
0: that up in your mind to be yeah. what you are thinking.
2: Like, nothing scary is actually happening, but your mind's just playing tricks on you because it's like what you're thinking about at the time.
3: Right, right. Like someone or something had to put it into your mind in the first place. Like I never would have known what an exorcism was or like possession was until I saw the exorcist. Now it's in my head. Now I know it's a thing. I know it's out there and it freaks the hell out of me.
0: Well, even going a step further with the exorcist bit, like if you actually are a religious person, then obviously exorcist is going to freak you out that much more because right, right, right. it's like we were saying. So if you, uh, you know, if you believe in that sort of thing, then you can a hundred percent be possessed you might now is this possibly where like
2: possessions and and that sort of thing even come from? I mean, I believe a true possession is by a demon, correct, <laughs> well yeah, but I'm saying like do you think you... that's just a figment of someone's imagination, bro? no, no no, 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 again, but I don't, don't think you have you're an understanding. idea
3: if you don't have an idea of what the concept of possession is, how would you know if you were possessed? Okay. I think
2: you'd know that. No, that actually, I get what he's saying. Like, you wouldn't
3: know what you wouldn't know what possession or what it means to be possessed.
0: Think about it like this. Think about it like this. Let's say that like, there's a sect of people that are not religious at all. One of them gets diagnosed with some sort of mental illness. And that's like written off as like, you know, uh come up with a scientific name, what have you. Um now maybe if that person was in a religious community, they would deem that a possession. But like to them, it's just this like scientific diagnosis of it. You know? It's kind of like think about like the X Files. Mulder always has these occult and like ways of explaining things, but Scully always has the scientific like rationale for it. It's similar to that. You have these two worlds kind of coexisting. Which one is it actually? Is that where you're going? Is that where you're kind of getting at with this?
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like if you haven't been exposed to the idea, how can you know it exists?
0: Okay. Okay. So in that in that sense, do you think that if somebody is not religious, they could still be possessed by like let's say a deity? Like, let's say someone's not Jewish. Maybe they're
2: an atheist. Well, in the film, they're not Jewish, are they?
0: Well, Rob, this is not
2: Hollywood. Not. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just <laughs> using an example, dude.
3: But then you have to believe of the idea of this box being possessed by an entity. But, but do you? you? don't necessarily have to be, that's exactly, that's the thing. Like if, like
0: Rob doesn't believe, he thinks the story's made up, but he's still not touching the box.
3: So obviously he thinks that this thing could be possessed by some sort of entity.
0: I think in the back of but his if he mind had, he does.
3: If he had not heard this story and just saw, if we went to the museum he hadn't heard the story and saw, oh, a Dybbuk box, that's cool.
2: And touched he it? Probably,
3: he probably wouldn't think twice about being possessed or anything, or haunted or whatever.
2: Yeah, but if he never <laughs> would go to the haunted museum, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would know, but
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, if this was at Post Lamone's house and we're hanging out there one day eating Doritos, and he's like, "Yeah, I want to see this cool box." And he's like, "Yeah, this is a Dybbuk box." And you're like, "Oh, this shit's cool," and just went on with your life. And but what if started happening? You wouldn't be like, "Damn, that box!"
2: Am it's I? a box,
3: I know it. But you might not because you don't know that's possessed or cursed or whatever.
2: Posty put a curse on us. Mm.
0: <laughs> All right, he's now practicing
3: that Kabbalah.
0: <clears throat> All right, so I mean, overall, like, what do we think about this thing? Um, do we think the Dybbuk exists? Is it a cursed box? Do we believe in Dibbics? Do we believe in demons? Do we believe in this Dybbuk box? Has it developed a life of its own, a myth of its own? Is this is there some sense of this that's true? I mean, what do we got here?
2: In this specific case, I don't think that it's uh I don't know if it's uh, actually a Dybbuk that's connected to it it seems like maybe this guy just practiced some type of magic or spell on it to like make okay. it open up and stuff by itself
0: so you do in fact believe that there is something going on with this there's process. something going on
2: <laughs> okay but yeah. i think that i mean obviously i need to you know study up on my magic a little bit more. On I mean, the kabbalah but, you need to become a but, uh, student I feel like there are definitely situations and instances where, a uh, entity can haunt an object, but I feel like in the case of this one, the guy is already on record saying that he like fabricated this story and it's clearly, he continued the fabrication and oh, there's 10 more.
0: All right. But if we go off the idea of like negative thoughts and vibrations can manifest, is it like there's so much negative stuff associated
2: with this box maybe that's what's like happening okay so like a thought form kind of thing uh tu what is it tupla Tulpa. Tulpa. <laughs> so it's like uh so maybe and think about this
0: now i just came up with this right off the dome so so like Free like dome? we talk about the uh the mind field right okay a consciousness a plane of our consciousness Okay. So this story gets put out there by one guy. How many people read this story? How many people have seen the pictures? How many people listen to the story on this podcast? All those people are thinking about this thing. Are all those thought forms manifesting inside this box? And that's the bad juju when you open this thing up. Quite
3: possibly. Well, what if you don't believe in it? Can it affect? Then that that has me going back to the Slender Man thing. Maybe that little girl that got stabbed didn't believe in Slender Man at all, but these other She's two girls, stabbed, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. These other girls believe in it so much.
0: I don't know, man. A lot of creepy stuff going on. I mean, what do you, what do you think overall? Did we get your thoughts on this stuff?
3: Uh, I think you just got to tip your hat to Manus for coming up with an excellent story. <laughs> the guy's a hell of a salesman.
0: I mean, really, I think this is like we are seeing like a modern version of like, say, a Bigfoot or a Loch Ness Monster be created right before us with this Dybbuk box. Like this happened in our lifetimes, and this is now like a myth. And that happens a
2: lot with these creepy posses, which I think is pretty cool. Now, will we call this a myth or more of like an urban legend?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, similar things. Like an urban legend, I guess. Yeah. He made it up. Now we believe in it. Yeah. Not this time. Um, So there you have it, guys. And remember, even if you don't believe in the Dibbuk, that doesn't mean the Dybbuk
2: does not exist. Shalom alaikum
0: to that. Yes. <laughs> Shalom, my brothers. Now... Uh, so yeah, there you have it, guys. The Dybbuk box, the tale, the legend, the Dybbuk, some creepy stuff for you to blast around the pumpkins this Halloween. <laughs> uh you know, let blast us know on <laughs> yeah. the pumpkins. Let us know what you guys think. Uh if you've had experience with the Dybbuk, if you've touched the box, if you've been to Vegas
2: and seen the box, let us know. Seen and a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of box in Vegas, <laughs> but not the Dybbock. <laughs>
3: A great decoration for your Halloween parties. Handing out candy, make your own Dybbuk box. Yeah, Yeah. make your own
2: Dybbuk box. Let us
3: know, tag us.
0: And uh, real quick, I want to cite on this one, inputmag.com for the article, Finally, the Truth Behind the Haunted Dybbuk Box can be revealed by Charles Moss, Uh, web.archive.org for the original eBay post, which I will link in the description of this episode uh latimes.com a jinx in a box by leslie gornstein uh and momentmag.com jewish word slash dibbik by sala lavine uh yeah and uh and there you have it guys and i just want to say uh one more time happy halloween to the loyal legion out there um thank you guys
2: for your continued support and on that hey guys as always feel free to hit us up on instagram podcast from outer space check out the website podcast from outer Space.com. grab yourself some merch we got some new stuff coming up for you and as ryan already said happy halloween to everyone listening
3: as always shout out to our friends over at Beale racing check out our friend shelly appleseed and jerry bauer on tiktok if that you scene uh fellas uh, everybody really if you have a special lady in your life and you want to get her something nice maybe you're in the doghouse maybe you just love them check out our friends over at alexander boutique lovely bunch of ladies that will get you set up with some nice things and our friends over at ember and pineco.com be looking for the limited edition teabag scent coming soon and on that so long and thanks for all the fish no place to go the cup's already
1: full And it's bound to overflow Drowning in the water Now you can't stay afloat Ask us, for mercy Please throw me a rope Looking for help from God Say he couldn't be bound Searching up to the sky Looking beneath the ground Like a king without his crown. Keep falling down Really wanna live But can't get rid of your found You're trying to reach Into the heights i bound and bound On the ground Giving up your pride You heard a sound Out of night comes day out of day comes light You're not the fire I ain't